Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Bills at Chiefs. Here we go again. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovee, welcome to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt, I feel like this should be a division game. These two teams play so much. This will be the fifth time since 2020. We're going to talk about why there are so many of them in Kansas city, but this will be the fourth time in Kansas city twice in the playoffs last year in the regular season. Now this time in the regular season, we have gotten the miles into Kansas city and arrowhead. I I gotta say really, really cool venue. Awesome place to watch a football game. Once we've done it four times in the last two years, I'm kind of like, man, I really wish they were just coming to Buffalo this weekend. Yeah, look at awesome venue. You're right. I love it. Horrible radio booth location, which I don't have to worry about. I'm not doing the game from there. I'm on the field. Mm-hmm. But I I love the fact that so many of our listeners and my followers on Twitter love that I give them information about the radio booth. I never thought it would be that popular, but I started talking about all the different radio booth locations over the last uh-huh. few years. And people are really into it. And every time I go to a stadium now, I take a picture of the radio location, the booth, and say, here it is. And I kind of tell everybody how it compares to most in the league. This one is right in the center of the field. It's great. But it is it might be the highest in the league, Matt. It might well, be the highest in the entire league, the radio broadcast booth. Well, assuming it's probably similar to the press box, or maybe it's in the same like area as the press box, mm-hmm. the press box is sky high. Last year, I remember watching those plays and just you feel so far away. It's an awesome stadium. But when you think of the massive bowl and the massive stadium, the press box is all the way to the top. And for perspective at Highmark Stadium, you think of the lower bowl. The press box is just above the lower bowl, and it's still pretty far away. So this one is it would be like if you were in the top last row at Highmark Stadium and then you were probably 50 feet higher than that. That's where these are. That's where these are at Arrowhead. I remember last year taking a couple pictures and I'll do this again this year and I'll tweet them out from where the radio broadcast booth is. You can look over the top of the stadium on each end zone to see the parking lots. That's how high you are. You can see the Kansas city skyline from the press box. If you look out the windows, you see the vast parking lots of just tailgating everywhere. And then you see in the distance, the skyline for Kansas city. And I will say, because there are a lot of people who are listening to this podcast who probably have never been to arrowhead. Maybe they'll never go to arrowhead. I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I think the vibe 
And the game day experience at Arrowhead is as close to Orchard Park as there is all around the league. I think there are a ton of similarities between a game day in Kansas City and a game day if you're going to OP and watching the Bills. 100% correct for a lot of reasons. The last thing I'll say about the radio booth, and I'll touch on what you just said, is I know it's not unique to the press box to say this, but for a lot of radio booths it is. It's completely enclosed and sterile, if you will. We, they cannot open the, the the window. A lot of times in the radio booths, you can open the window and you can get the feel, like the temperature feel, the, the crowd, the natural sound, the ambient sound. You can't do that. You're so high and you're enclosed and it's just weird. And I always feel bad um, for Murph. Like I said, I'm way down in the field. We've had issues. We had issues last year with my connectivity with my mic because I'm so far away from the booth with the antennas and because it was Sunday night football and there were so many people that were using wireless you know, on different frequencies. And I think there was also might've been a, a carnival going on at that time. I don't know, but there's a lot of stuff. that's crazy to think about. All right. So that particular aspect is right. When you pull in, you smell it, right? You smell the, mm-hmm. um, the cooking, the, the barbecue, great barbecue, Kansas city, of course. And you smell the tailgate. And when you're inside the bowl, one of the reasons why I think what you said is right. It's very similarly designed stadium, which is it is one lower bowl with one tunnel in and out, which is what Highmark is. And you don't normally get that around the league and everything else is enclosed. Oh, yeah. The tunnel's kind of in the corner and that's the yeah. only way out onto the fields, right? That's exactly right. I remember all of the players huddling in the tunnel as the rain was just pouring in the Sunday night game last year because it was like an hour and 15 minutes delay. So a lot of the players were getting bored because they had to wait so long. They were eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches mm-hmm. to try and stay, you know, get, get themselves a little bit of energy. And there were some really great pictures of the guys just like sitting on the ground in the tunnel, watching the rain, eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and bananas. It, it's That's right. It's a really cool vibe. I, if, if you've been to a game in orchard park, it's awesome. It's a lot of fun. There are so many similarities in Kansas city. It's really cool. I'm also going to say this last thing about Kansas city, their fans top notch, love them. Since I was a little kid, they've always been some of the best fans to deal with in the world. Uh, as far as the NFL is concerned, at least I remember going to games when I was a kid, going to the playoff games and AFC championship game. And I remember thinking, boy, those Kansas city fans are really nice. They've always been nice and hospital hospitable uh, out in Kansas city. And we talked with chief sideline reporter, Josh Klingler on WGR on Wednesday on my extra point show. And he said, what do you think about this, Matt? He said, Chiefs fans consider the bills like one of their biggest rivals now because of not, not the hatred type of rival, but because they both realize they realize they're in the same space that are competing for the grand prize in the AFC. Now with these two great quarterbacks year after year, I almost think of it the same way the Patriots and the Colts probably viewed each other for all those years with Manning and with Brady, where they, well, the Patriots and the Colts was a little different because they used to be in the same division, but for the bills and the chiefs, right. these are really good teams that always feel like they're on a crash course to meet each other. And the matchup becomes that much more significant when you know how big of a deal this means for playoff seating, for home field advantage, for all of the things that you try and accomplish when you're in the regular season. So yeah, I totally think it's a rivalry. It's actually something I was talking to one of our reporters in Kansas city about it earlier today. And she said the same thing. She She's like, oh no, like in Kansas city, this has become the rivalry game. This is the game that everybody is looking for when the schedule comes out before, you know, before the Broncos, before the Raiders, before the chargers, before all those games that are on, you know, in their division, people want to know. And the last time we saw them play, it was maybe one of the best games 
in NFL history. I do want to point out though. I saw a really interesting tweet today from Aaron Schatz, football outsiders. Did you see that? Nope. I did not see. What did he write? Okay. So this is pretty interesting and it brings the magnitude of this game. It's what this Sunday means for the bills and for the chiefs. If the bills win, they're not the chance they get the number one seed. Guess what the percentage is? This is according to their simulations. If the bills win their predictions, their model says they have this chance at getting the one seed. 65 to 70% somewhere in there. Wow. You're so good. 68, 68%. Oh, wow. wow. You hit that right on the head. You, you... I, I did not see it. Okay, I did not so, see it. I'm just thinking the AFC already has a lot of losses around the, around the conference. These are the only two teams that are four and one. I mean, if the bills win, whoever wins this game is free and clear right now as the number one seed. And I, I did that in my head. And then I also thought about what the rest of the schedule looks like, which is I think favorable for the bills. So that's where there's a big disparity. So if the bills win, according to their numbers, they have a 68% chance of winning the AFC, getting the top seed. If the chiefs win, they only have a 35% chance and the bills wow. still have the second best chance at 30%. So there's a really big disparity because it looks like the chiefs remaining schedule is more difficult. We know their division is yep. more difficult. They're going to have a bunch more games that are really, really tricky. And I think it speaks to the bills. We said get through week seven or excuse me, week eight after the Packers game. And you could really go on a nice little run. There are some teams. The Bills still have to play that have exceeded expectations. Like the Vikings are going to be a harder game than people thought. Oh yeah. Even the lions are going to be a little bit harder of a game than some people thought, but I don't think the Packers are very good. They still get to play the Packers. I haven't seen anything really from the Patriots that makes me think that they're the jets look better, but I still think the Bills the are gonna, we don't know that, where they are. That's what I mean. Like, all of these other tricky games seem very manageable. So yeah, it's just really interesting how the long-term impact of the rest of the season kind of hinges on what happens on Sunday. Well, there's a good reason for chiefs fans to feel like the bills fan, the bills are their rival. And that's because they have played in some pretty big games, obviously over the last few years. So Matt, one of the questions we keep getting and people keep talking about, even if it's not a question, maybe just a complaint or just some sort of statement is Man, the Bills are playing in Kansas City again. Uh Yes, again. This year will be seven out of the last eight times the two teams met in Kansas City. And oh, by the way, they are scheduled to play in Kansas City again next year. That's going to happen. So the Bills and the Chiefs will meet again in Kansas City. It will be the third straight season Buffalo visits Kansas City for either a regular season or playoff game and the fourth straight time that the Chiefs are the home team between the two. Now, some of that includes playoffs. That's part of this. So let me explain. I wrote an article at WGR550.com how this works. This is why, folks, if you're wondering why the Bills continue to play in Kansas City, it really comes down to two things, schedule rotation and playoffs. But within schedule rotation is two different types. Number one is every team from the AFC East, we'll just use that as an example, plays every team from the North one year Uh and then the West next year and then the South and they just rotate. So every three years, the bills play the chiefs and out of those three years, it goes home and then away and then home and then away. So you catch them. They caught them in Kansas city in 2017. Uh And then in 2018, 1920 was in Buffalo, Uh 22, 23 in Kansas city. So that's why they're going back next year. But the bigger reason is because The other divisions the Bills don't play every year, they do play this team that finished in the same spot as them. 
And since they both finished in first place the last couple of years, they match up. And the NFL formula is a bit quirky here. It's a two-year rotation for one division uh, same place finisher to go to another. So for two straight years, the East has to go to the West. That's why it's happened. So you not only get them playing in Kansas City on the normal three-year rotation, you also got them going to Kansas City two straight years because of where they finished and that simply being a part of the schedule. And then you get the two playoff games because the Chiefs were the higher seed. And you get them going back next year, just coincidentally, because of the three-year rotation. And a lot of Bills fans keep saying, why can't the Chiefs come to Buffalo? This is ridiculous. Well, funny you should ask. They did in 2020, but it was in that weird part of the schedule when all of the games were getting moved. That game was played on a Monday night at 5 p.m. Do you remember that? How strange that was? Of course, in front of no fans. We were there. Yep. That's the other part of it. Patrick Mahomes has never played in Buffalo in front of fans. He's played in Buffalo, but 17 was in the game in 2017 was the game right after the Peterman LA game. Remember they they went back to Tyrod. They won. And a really close game. And they were pretty big underdogs in that game. And it kind of came out of nowhere. And then, so in 2018 and 19, they didn't play. Mm -hmm. In 2020, they come back to Buffalo as part of that rotation. And then in 2023, they go back to Kansas City. But in the meantime, they've both gotten good. They both finished in the same spot. And the AFC East team goes to the AFC West team as the same place finisher two years in a row. But that changes. So here's your answer to your question for anyone who says, when does Kansas City come back to Buffalo? Well, other than the playoffs, which could happen this year, right? We don't know if that happens. Regular season-wise, Matt, we could be looking at a Bills hosting three years in a row, 2024, 2025 and 2026 in 2026, the two teams will play in Buffalo. We know that that is locked in. If they finish in the same spot in their division in 2023, they'll play in Buffalo in 2024. And if they finish the same spot in their division again in 2024, they'll come to Buffalo again in 2025. That's a long way of saying these two teams could continue to match up year after year because of a, the rotation and B because of where they may finish similarly and then you would get the Chiefs coming to Buffalo for a couple straight years, and then the Bills going back to Kansas City and vice versa. I hope that this is what we're in for. I hope that it really does become the next Manning Brady. I think it's such a great game. I think the sporting the the divisional round in 2021, so it was technically in 2022 earlier this year, but the right. divisional round of last season, that game was the best sporting event I have ever been to at any level. And I don't think it will honestly ever get exceeded. It was such a good game, and hopefully there are a lot more of those. I don't know how it lives up to that ever, but even the regular season game last year was a good game. The Bills pulled away at the end. They ended up winning by, I think, 14 points in that game. They pulled away, but for the first for the first portion of that game, it was really good. Then the Chiefs scored, and it looked like they were going to maybe come back in the game, and then Josh did the hurdle over the guy, and then they went down the field, and I think Emmanuel Sanders had like his second touchdown of the game, and that kind of ultimately put them away. Yep. And even you think back to the, the AFC Championship game, a really lopsided score that was still a pretty close game. I think if the Bills were more aggressive in that game in the first half, they would have hung around with the Chiefs farther in that game than they ultimately did. So, yeah, I mean, these two teams and these two quarterbacks, especially like we talked to Josh Allen today and he was like, well, you know, it's just he said his traditional line. It's the most important game because it's the next game. And I know the media is going to make a big deal out of it, but we're just taking it one day at a time. And it's like, you know, why everybody's making a big deal out of it. 
it's probably the two best players in the league going head to head. And the last time you went head to head, you guys put on an absolute stunning performance. So that's why it's such a big deal. And because of the way the game ended, a rule was changed. It's the Josh Allen rule, essentially, right? The overtime rule. We can call it that the coin toss rule, whatever you want to say. That's what happened the last time. One more final nugget on the schedule. Is this really interesting, Matt? So I just told everybody how this might work out. Well, in 2026, the Buffalo Bills could very well host the Kansas City Chiefs. That will be, um, in fact, it's it, it's going to happen. Actually, it will happen. It's locked in. In 2026, the Bills will be hosting the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you know what else happens in 2026? New stadium. That's right. The Bills will be hosting the Chiefs the first year of the new stadium. If the Bills win the Super Bowl in 2025, <laughs> I'm banking on that being the Thursday night game. Who would you right now? This is so far. So far, we have no idea what's going to happen. Who is the right choice to open the new stadium? Is it Kansas city? Is um, it a division? Is, is it the dolphins? I think we have to wait until then, but it's probably Kansas city or I guess it could be the dolphins. I think if I'm right, I have to go back and look at this. Do the giants match up that year with Brian table? I mean, maybe that who knows how good they are. Um, I think we have to wait. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, no, think about but, that. We're four years away. But no, I mean to see how good teams are. You know, I feel like the Patriots would be kind of served right here, though. I, I do. I mean, who knows? Maybe by then the Patriots are already on another quarterback cycle and they've got somebody else and they're <laughs> unbelievable again. We don't know what's gonna happen. Bite next, your tongue next week, let alone what's gonna happen in twenty twenty six. Bite your tongue about that with the Patriots. <laughs> All right, let's get into this matchup. Bills at Chiefs. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. By the way, you can subscribe to this podcast and get the latest episode downloaded right wherever you pod. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Odyssey app, Google uh, Podcasts, wherever it is. You can listen to us however you want, whenever you want, and we always have all of our segments broken down into three different segments. So if you don't have time for the entire episode mm -hmm. and there is some sort of segment you want to listen to, we can do that too. We thank you for doing that and downloading, subscribing, and giving us a nice review and a five-star rating. Bills at Chiefs. What's the biggest key for the Bills defense? We know they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore. Mm -hmm. What do you have to do to try and at least slow down the Kansas City Chiefs, Matt? Just need to get your pass rush home. I think that's why the Raiders were able to hang in with the Chiefs the other day. That's why they went up. I mean, the Chiefs offensive line is a really good offensive line, but they've had a couple areas where they have been susceptible, where they've been able to be get beaten. So I think for the Bills, at least defensively, 
I'm anticipating they probably play a lot of zone. They they rush their normal amount of guys and they just hope that they can get home. I, I think the bills, you don't play man against Patrick Mahomes. That just seems like a bad recipe. So with the way the bills line is constructed, you've got guys who you think if you're rushing for, you can still be able to create some pressure. So I think it really comes down to favorable matchups with the line, hoping that Von Miller can do what Von Miller is supposed to do, hoping that maybe Von Miller creates so much attention that your other guys like Ed Oliver, Jordan Phillips, AJ Epinesa, Greg Rousseau, maybe some of those guys can get home. Keep in mind, by the way, Greg Rousseau had an outstanding game against the chiefs last year in the regular season. He had that interception that was defend or, you know, he flipped it up in the air and hit his hands. Then he caught it. I think he also had a sack in that game. So Greg Rousseau could have a nice day. The chiefs are really good but it's about pressuring Patrick Mahomes. Even like I remember in the off season, Orlando Brown, their tackle wanted all of this money and they didn't know what they were going to do with him. And he struggled at times this year. That was one of the things that our Kansas city reporter told me today. It was like Orlando Brown's kind of a question mark. And if he can't keep up with Von Miller or AJ Epinesa or Greg Rousseau, you can get some favorable matchups. Anybody who watched the chiefs and the Raiders the other night, that's the blueprint. It's just create chaos on the line. And he's so special because what he can do when he's outside of the pocket and the magic that he can make, but you can't do that. Every play that happens sparingly. So you like your chances. If you can make him, you know, rush throws or make off balance throws and do all that stuff. Isn't it kind of the perfect, like storm of, I don't know if you want to say perfect storm. It really is. So like, here's the deal. The bills don't really want to blitz, right? That's just not what they want to do. They want to get home with four. That's why they've been in search of here for the last several years. You know, a guy like Von Miller and trying to develop Greg Rousseau. Like they want to get home with four. They don't want to blitz. They have not blitzed much this year at all. They won a couple of games without blitzing at all. Basically I think one in one game and zero in another game, whatever. And on top of that, it is kind of how you want to play Patrick Mahomes and this chief's offense, which is keep everything in front of you. Don't blitz Mahomes. You don't want to give him a chance to kind of pick you apart that way. So I think I, I agree with you. I mean, that, this is what the Bills are going to do, right? They're going to try and get home with their front four, but the key is getting home. I think you really have to concentrate on Travis Kelsey, though, right? I mean, this mm-hmm. is a guy that, excuse me, had four touchdowns on Monday night against the Raiders. We know, I mean, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame someday. He's one of the greatest tight ends to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. What I find fascinating, though, is the fact that I think Taron Johnson's going to match up with him. And I say that, Matt. Because that's what they did against Mark Andrews. Yep. Terry Johnson giving up all that size to tight end Mark Andrews. And yet they still basically kept him on the field and said, you go get him. That's your guy. He did that. Now it could be somebody else in certain plays, you know, in the slot. But Terry Johnson had that task. And we know Matt Milano will a little bit. We know Jordan Poyer might. We'll get to him in a second. But I, th- I find it fascinating that if Taron Johnson has to face Travis Kelsey and they're going to leave him there and say, go do it like you did on Mark Andrews, how that looks. Because... He held Mark Andrews to two catches. Yeah. So I'm looking back at the two games from last year, and I know the offenses are different, but do you remember the type of production Travis Kelsey had in those two games? I don't think he did that much, to be honest with you. Okay. So the first game, you're right. In the game that they won, the final score was 38 to 20. He did have a touchdown, but he only had six catches for 57 yards. Okay. I think the bills would sign up for that stat line right now. If they can, and of course, red zone, he's just even more of a beast. Yeah. He's unbelievable in the playoff game. He caught the touchdown that won them the game in overtime, but he had eight catches for 96 yards. 
So he made two massive plays in that game. He had the touchdown in overtime and he had the play that got them into field goal range to tie it late. But when you take away those two plays and I'm not saying like you just wipe them off the board, he still made the plays. He deserves the credit for them. But in your typical regulation time, the bills did a fairly good job containing him. Travis Kelsey is one of those players. You are not stopping him. You need to just come to terms with the fact that you will not cancel him out. No matter who you put on him, it's you are trying to limit his production because if you go into this game and Travis Kelsey gets 13 catches for 165 yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns, you probably aren't going to win. But if you can contain him a little bit, I think you trust your defensive line. And I think you trust your other players on defense to be able to shut down the other weapons that they have, because this is the most over simple way of explaining it. But the chiefs lost one of their best players in the off season in Tyreek Hill and the bills got one of their new best players in the off season in Von Miller. So when you think of it very over simply that way, you would think there's an opportunity for the bills here. Vegas also thinks so first time Mahomes has ever been a home underdog and it's against the bills this weekend. Pretty amazing. When you think about that, mm-hmm. you know, you're talking about, you know, without Tyree kill, some people have said that, you know, even in Kansas city, the offense is better now without Tyree kill and the numbers do bear it out. They are the number yeah. one scoring team in the league. The bills are number two, by the way, the only two teams have scored over 30 points, but I have to be honest with you, man. I watched them and I still think there's something missing. I think there's that deep, quick strike element. They can still do it, but not as quickly as efficiently or just kind of automatic. If you will, sometimes like they had Tyree kill and they do work a little bit more, but Mahomes spreads it around. He has so many weapons and Clyde Edwards, he out of the backfield. Uh, now they have Isaiah Pacheco who's playing. Yeah. Obviously they still uh, got McKinnon. They still got McKinnon. They got McCole Hardman, you know, Juju Smith Schuster, yep. right? I mean, sky Moore now, you know, he's got a lot of different guys. Jordan Poyer becomes huge in this game. And yep. He missed last week's game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He missed a couple of weeks before that against the Miami Dolphins and sandwiched in between, by the way, he had, he changed the game and won it for the bills in Baltimore. I mean, that's how good he is. Yep. Here's a stat for you. Pretty amazing. Jordan Poyer, despite missing two games, two full games leads the NFL by himself in interceptions with four yeah. and is tied for fourth in the entire league with six passes defended six pass breakups. Unbelievable. He is playing. I, I, at better than a first team, all pro level. I don't know what else to say and how to say that. And I think when you pair him with DeMar Hamlin, like mm-hmm. Micah Hyde, they, they wish they had Micah Hyde. We're, we're going to say that every single week, no doubt it would do anything to have Micah Hyde back. But DeMar Hamlin looked really good against the Steelers. Now looking really good against the Steelers and looking really good against the chiefs is a very different thing, but I trust their secondary a lot more than I thought I would when we were going back to that Dolphins game. And we were like, okay, well, they're without Hyde and you don't know what's going to happen with Elam and with Dane Jackson. Now, I will say Elam did kind of get taken advantage of against the Steelers. They targeted him a lot. He did make the interception. That was a nice play. I think he allowed like 10 catches for 126 yards on 13 passes thrown his way. That's not very good. So I think the chiefs are going to see that and they're going to try and do a lot of similar things. That's the area of concern. If you're a bills fan, the area that's good news that we haven't even talked about yet is Trey white was practicing today. Yeah, that's we right. We're recording this on Wednesday. We saw Trey white for the first time on a practice field earlier today. It's amazing. And Christian Benford, by the way, he's back out there mm-hmm. uh, after hurting, after breaking his hand and 
uh, Tremaine Edmonds. You think about all the guys they could be getting back in this game, especially yes. the defensive side. Obviously, that could be really, really big for this game. So, yeah, Tredavious White back on the field, and that presents, I don't know, Matt, I don't want to call it a problem, right? But at some point, the Bills are going to have to figure out what to do with all these guys in the secondary. And I mean, basically a corner mostly, but Tredavious White, Dane Jackson, Kyer Elam, Christian Benford. Uh, there's only going to be, you know, two starting spots and you're going to have to, now, there's nothing wrong with having great backups. That's perfectly mm-hmm. fine, but it is interesting that they're going to have to start making some decisions here when they do have Tredavious White finally play. And by the way, so everybody knows that means Tredavious White's clock, if you will, started ticking. The bills have until November 2nd to put him on the active roster, which I'm sure they're, they're going to do between now and then probably even before the green Bay game, I would say. That's what I'm thinking too. It's a good problem to have. I would think that Trey is out there pretty much every play unless you're ahead by a lot because you want to ease him as much as you can. And you honestly have the luxury of easing him, especially if your young guys are playing fairly well. Yeah. I would think right now, if you were in like a must win game, they would go to Trey and Dane Jackson. That being said, I think Elam will get a lot of opportunities because of what they use to get him a first round pick, the skill set that he has. And that's why I think he'll kind of be the guy who comes in off the bench a little bit and gets more snaps than Benford. And then you really like Benford as just your backup option, almost like Dane Jackson was with Levi Wallace there. Like they liked Dane Jackson. They didn't need to use him until Trey went down. I think now they've just got that extra body and Oh, who, by the way, maybe Rhodes comes back at some point. Maybe they, maybe he doesn't, but I think if you've already got him in the building, keep him around, especially if these injuries start to happen again. So let's talk about the offensive side as we uh, move on and talk about the chiefs and the bills. They will take each, they will play each other uh, in Kansas city. Once again, on Sunday at four 25 PM, three 25 PM local time, by the way, four 25 PM kickoff. You like that? You like the four 25 PM kickoff window here for this game. It's a nationally televised four 25 game. It's on CBS, Nance Romo and Tracy Wolfson again. I love it. I love the 425 game. I know there are a lot of people who don't. A lot of people would much prefer to have it as a standalone 820 game or Monday night football game, but I really love those 425 kickoffs. I think it's the perfect time for a game. All right, let's talk about the offense for the Buffalo Bills going against the Kansas City Chiefs. So the last time these two teams played, the Bills scored, let's see, 36 points. The time before that, in the regular season, they scored 38 points. The over-under right now at Vegas is 54 points. Needless to say, everybody thinks these offenses are going to score a lot of points. But can the Bills win a track meet? That's the question. Sal, do the Bills have what it takes right now to win a track meet? Not only do I think they have what it takes, I think they might prefer it. And I don't mean that they want to give up points. Of course, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think a lot of times people, you know, and fans and most teams, this is probably correct, by the way, that the way to stop the chiefs is maybe slowing down the game, right. And not allowing Patrick Mahomes to be on offense. And I understand that. I mean, if most teams would want to do that, I don't care about that. If I'm the bills, I want to score because I can score. I want to go down the field. I think the bills don't care about getting in a track meet. I think they welcome it because that means that they're part of the track meet. That means they're mm-hmm. one of the teams on the field that's scoring and moving the ball down the field, which is what they're going to do best. And by the way, the weather in Kansas city this weekend looks perfect. Yep. This bills offense in perfect conditions is almost unstoppable. 
I know they haven't had, think about the games this year where they've had controlled conditions. The Rams, lights out. The Titans, unreal. And then last week against the Steelers, it was windy and it didn't matter. They still scored 38 points. The two times they've struggled were in a really rainy day in Baltimore and like the hottest day ever in Miami. So I think the bills have what it takes. I think they're really coming into their own as far as spreading the ball around. The thing that concerns me a bit is their lack of even a a threat of the run, but it's not something that like concerns me to the point that I don't think they can win the game. It's just like the chiefs are going to know they're going to pass every single play and they're good enough that they can probably get away with it. I'm interested to see how Shakir is involved because it seems like we're trending in the direction that Isaiah McKenzie is going to play. And I'm also interested in how they use Dawson Knox because, because Dawson Knox was so big for them in the game that they won in Kansas city last year. He had an unbelievable deep catch for a touchdown right at the end of the first half that really put the bills ahead. Then at the beginning of the second half, he had another great catch where he jumped up and high pointed the ball right over a defender. I think it's time for Dawson Knox to start getting utilized more than he has been. I think it's just kind of the way that it's went. Like, I don't think he's doing anything wrong, but I think it's time to unleash Dawson Knox here. And he actually, he had a really good game last year, the regular season, remember against um, Kansas city. I have to go back and look at the playoff game, but I remember the first drive, he caught a big pass down the field. And then Josh had that big scramble goes to the outside, launches it to Dawson. Who's running free. Um, I I think there's opportunity here for Dawson Knox to have a big game. The bills are going to be getting a lot healthier. They're going to be get some, getting some of these guys back. Um, You talked about a lack of threat in the running game. Like, I don't know if they necessarily care about that. If they can just drive the ball down the field, like they did last year with Gabe Davis. And now of course, like you said, adding Shakir to the mix, but I do know that Josh Jacobs looked really good running the ball on Monday night against the Kansas city Chiefs. So Mm -hmm. they'd love to be able to do that. There's no doubt about that. Maybe this is a game where we've said it a few times. Maybe James cook gets more involved. Mm -hmm. You got to find some way. I think though, to be able to run the ball outside of Josh Allen. I don't think it has to be by volume necessarily. It doesn't have to be great. You don't have to be the best team at it, but you're right, Matt. I think it's some way you have to at least show the other team. Hey, if you're going to do this to us, you're going to kind of force us and force our hand to keep everything underneath and give us some space to run. We can actually counter punch that and we can do it. I think you have to be concerned about Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Like I think those are two playmaking defensive yes. linemen who can explode everything. Chris Jones was obviously in the spotlight a lot this week because of that nonsense, roughing the passer penalty. And then Frank Clark left the game with an illness, but it seems like he's going to be okay to play this weekend. So those are two game wreckers. Go ahead. Can I, can I, yeah, let me just uh, get in on this. Interesting. We talked with Josh Klingler, the chief sideline reporter, and I didn't realize this, I guess he told us this has been an ongoing problem for a couple of years now with um, Frank Clark, that he has had some sort of illness he gets nauseous. He's missed games. He's come out of games like he did last week and they don't have a handle on it. And you just never know when it's going to come up. And it's, yeah, you, know, you hope the guy's okay. Right. I mean, that's the thing. You hope the guy's okay because that just sounds weird, but I guess this is an ongoing issue that's been, that they've been having. Yeah. That's really interesting. And I don't know. Another one that we got to keep an eye on is Harrison Butker. Yeah. But I think he's going to be good to go. Like I saw he was practicing. Practicing. So, he slipped in week one in Arizona. He slipped on the turf and hurt himself, his plant foot, and he has not played since. And now he's practicing this week. And they are getting Trent McDuffie, their first round pick, back on the practice field after being on IR. We don't know if he's gonna play. Yeah. The book on the the book on the Chiefs secondary now is 
They're talented. They're fast or athletic, but Matt, they put them on islands and they're not afraid to be a little bit risky with them. I think that's even super more super risky against the bills. Well, I think Devonte Adams went over the top a couple that's times right. against them the other night. And I am not comparing Gabe Davis to Devonte Adams, but Gabe Davis bread and butter. And what we saw the bills do against the Steelers was they were not afraid to take those shots down the field. So go ahead. If you're going to be, you really can't double them both. You can't bracket them both every time. So you can't be overly, if you're thinking about, okay, we're going to stop Stefan Diggs, then Gabe Davis is going to have some favorable matchups. If you're going to try and stop Gabe Davis, then Stefan Diggs is going to have some favorable matchups. I also think they trust Khalil Shakir now. I, I really 100%. do. When you said that maybe this is James cook an opportunity for him. I don't know if I would agree because I don't know if they trust him yet. Right. I don't know if they're in this stage they're not naive enough to realize that this isn't a bigger stage than a normal Sunday, one o'clock game in orchard park. This is a bigger game. All the eyes in the country are going to be on this game. And I don't think they're going to roll with James cook yet. Maybe they are, maybe they're trying to hide him, Like, you know, Tasker was talking about in the off season, maybe eventually they're going to unleash him. I, I don't know if now is the time. Cause I think that they can get by without him, quite frankly. Let's, um, I don't know if there's anything else in the offense you want to talk about, by the way, I like that point a lot. I don't know if you're right. I don't know if they trust, trust cook yet either. I just keep thinking about ways that I think they want to kind of get the running game jump started a little bit outside of Josh Allen. Although I will be the first to tell you, I think that, you know, Devin Singletary, you know, he's had a couple productive weeks here. He just haven't had, hasn't had the ball a lot, but he's actually been pretty efficient. Uh, Gabe Davis, by the way, leads the NFL with, I think it's 28 yards a catch. I mean, I know a 98 yarder and, you know, in mm-hmm. all the big ones l- last week, but Matt, it's incredible. Like he leads the NFL and every year he's near the top of the league in yards per catch. He is, he does have enough to qualify as far as, you know, catches are concerned, but it's pretty remarkable. Every time you look up, Gabe Davis is making a, a big catch somewhere. Actually, before we get on to questions, can we just spend some time talking about Josh Allen for a second? AFC offensive player of the week. Yeah, we can. I mean, Matt, it's, it's really, truly amazing watching this guy and knowing that he's What's here's how I want to say it. He's ours Buffalo. Like he's yours. He's here mm-hmm. and you get to keep him. And that's so cool because we haven't had many of those kinds of players in Buffalo sports. Sure. We've had some Dominic Hasek, Joe Burrow on the uh, hockey side of things, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith on the football side and a few others here and there, but this kid's special in the game he put together last week, Matt, he could have thrown for 600 yards. He really could have. I really think that the two best players in the NFL are Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And you can rate them one, two, however you want. And I think that's one of the reasons that makes this game so fun. That's one of the reasons that makes this rivalry so fun for years and years to come. Josh Allen is unbelievable. The things that he can do on a football field are unlike anything we have ever seen, not just in Buffalo, around the league. Mahomes is like that too. So yeah, I think Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are in a crash course for a lot of memorable games over the course of their careers. I think there's going to be times when the bills get the better of the chiefs. And I think there's going to be times that the chiefs get the better of the bills. The one thing that I do want to say is there is so much hype for this game and rightfully so. And we did talk about the odds of the difference. Remember it's still week six. Just remember that regardless of what happens, if the bills win, If the bills lose last year, everybody was flying high after the bills beat the chiefs on that Sunday night football game. You know what happened the next week? They went and they dropped the ball in in Tennessee and then went into the bye week four and two. Yeah. So if they lose this game, guess what? 
they'll still go into the bye week four and two this year, and they'll still have an unbelievable chance at going to the Super Bowl and maybe even having home field all the way through the playoffs. So just remember that whether it's good or it's bad, there is still a lot of football left to be played. Yeah, I will make the prediction. This is not bold that whoever wins this game does host the AFC championship game. But as we saw last year, you just rightfully pointed out just because you win this game does not guarantee anything. The bills won it last year and they certainly were not the number one seed. In fact, they were the number three seed in the AFC and the chiefs weren't even the number one seed. The Tennessee Titans were, and they wound up losing to the Cincinnati Bengals in the first round. I can't believe it's just when you say it that way, the bills were the three seed last year, right? It's just crazy. Like going into that, yeah, I, I still, it's somebody told me today, I was actually out to dinner with my brother-in-law for his birthday. So happy birthday, Greg. He was telling me he has like PTSD almost from the game last year from against the chiefs. Like he heard, it was a very specific thing. So we were, you know, there, but he said he heard the the call for Nance calling out Gabe Davis, 98 yard touchdown. And it made him think of the uh, touchdown at the end of the game. And he was like, I, when I heard it, I just almost like crumbled. And then he asked me, and it was a really funny observation. I don't know the building, but you know, that big, like art gallery train station looking building in Kansas city. That's always lit up. And they yes. show it's like the Niagara falls yes. of Kansas city where they show it on every broadcast. Yes. He's like, I'm already picturing this weekend. I'm going to be watching the game and they're <laughs> going to show that picture. And then I'm just going to think of the, every, all these games that they've lost over the years, but yeah, it'll uh, Sunday is going to be pretty amazing. I'm excited. All right. Let's get to some questions, Matt, as you always do tweet it out. Yeah. A request for questions. Yes. And, uh, we got a few here coming aboard on uh, Twitter. Yeah, there's a lot. This is from Chris. He goes, without Tyreek Hill, does the Bills defensive strategy change at all? Sal, what do you think? No, I think that it's it's keep everything in front of you. Don't get beat over the top. Patrick Mahomes can, you know, find players. I don't think it's about Tyreek Hill. I think it's about Patrick Mahomes. I think it's about this offense. So to me, they don't change their defensive strategy. The only thing that could change is maybe how much we see Taron Johnson on Travis Kelsey. But I think that's a natural change within the Bills defense and how they want to play, not necessarily in correspondence to not having Tyreek Hill. All right. This one is from Zach and I just talked about it a little bit ago, but I'll expand further. Do you guys think Knox has a breakout game this week? If he suits up for the game, I know he played a big part in their game last year. I do, because I do think that Davis and Diggs will garner a lot of attention. I think Gabe Davis will get more attention than he normally will because the last time he was on that field, he scored four touchdowns and set an NFL record. And I think everybody knows who Stefan Diggs is. So I think with those two, making so many potential problems for the chiefs defense, there will be some opportunities for Dawson Knox for Isaiah McKenzie and for Khalil Shakir. But of the three guys we just said, they trust Dawson Knox the most. So that's why I think Dawson Knox is going to have a lot of catches in this game. I think he's going to have a really nice day. And I think it's a good, it would be a good thing for the bills offense. If he could kind of start to trend in the right direction as they head into the bye week I think Dawson Knox could have a nice day. What about you? Yeah, I think he can too. Um, I am really interested in how they continue to use him. He signed that big extension and he hasn't been super productive in the offense, but I think a lot of that is they want to keep guys in. If teams, teams have blitzed the bills a little bit this year, a couple of teams early on, you want to have more, a little bit more max protection. Um, we'll see where that goes. I got one from Anthony here. It says, and there's a specific reason I'm reading this question is the Bills shout song, the best in stadium song you've heard in the league. Any other team songs compare? So Anthony, I guess so. Probably it's a cool song. There are some other songs, but the reason why I want to answer this question is just for an excuse to say the Miami dolphins have one and it's 
stupid and I hate it. And they stole it from the Houston Oilers. The Houston Oilers used to have a song that went Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers, Houston Oilers number one. Well, the Dolphins now, song goes, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. They stole it from the Houston Oilers. So that's the worst song in the league. I would say the shout song's the best. I have never experienced it live because in 2018, I was not there, but I've heard the skull chant in Minnesota is really cool. I would like to see that live. Now that's a chant. They, they do have chants like J E T S they've chants everywhere. Does that, does that not the same distinction? Is I don't think it is. I think a song is a song. It's a song. I really like renegade at Heinz. Well, whatever oh, it is, yeah. whatever, whatever it is, I, what is, I don't even in pitch. Scria, Scria. Yeah, State, sure. At Heinz field, at Heinz field. I really like, I really like renegade. I like that. I like that. That's really good. Yeah. I'm sure they have a few others in the league uh, for sure. But the, the one I, that comes to mind is the one in Miami and I'm sick of it and you stole it. So it shouldn't count. All right. This is from Mark in we're going to speculate a little bit here, but he asks okay. if there's any truth to the rumors that Odell Beckham Jr. was at the Buffalo airport today. And I would like to make something very clear. If Odell Beckham Jr. was flying into Buffalo for a visit with the Bills, he would not be flying commercial and landing in the Buffalo Niagara International Airport and walking by the Tim Hortons in the food court and going out to his rental car. I mean, that's not how they do it for guys like that. So, no. He was not at the Buffalo Niagara International Airport today. I can say that with a lot of confidence. Okay. I don't know. Mark always tweets us. Thanks, Mark. Is Mark just saying it to be kind of funny, or was there actually a rumor that this was true today? Or oh, no. There was, like, a lot. Like, this morning, it oh was all God. over social media. It was that. I'm glad I didn't see that. I didn't so, even look. So I deleted a tweet because I didn't know how it would be received. I didn't know if people would understand the joke, but after all of the rumors were out there that he was in Buffalo, I was going to tweet that I saw him at Wilson farms and he said he was going to Ames later. So I was going to a couple places that just don't exist anymore. And just to see if people caught on, but I was like, yeah, people might not know. And I don't want it to like start circulating or something. Big stop at the, at, at twin fair and then the Hills department store, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Going to go to, going to go to Jubilee or something, maybe swing over to <laughs> fantasy. Fantasy Island. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Is it fantasy Island still there? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's under new ownership, but okay. it's not like fully open yet. No. Okay. I got you. Um, all right. Let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, I like this from Edley Edley. Nice name. If the bills win, does it matter outside of seating? And I think what he means is, okay, we know what it means in the conference standings, but mm -hmm. like, does it mean anything tangibly or intangibly? And I think it does. I look, I understand that you still have that hurdle of the playoffs, but I think any time that you can give confidence to a team to go there, to go to Kansas city, go to Arrowhead, this team that you haven't been able to get over to beat them. I think it goes a long way in the locker room. I think it goes a long way to the messaging. I think it also can go a long way in actually getting over 13 seconds. That just happened inside that stadium 10 months ago. And I think the timeline of it is even more to your point that they're going into a bye week. You yeah. really want to be going into a bye week with a win and not a loss. And if you're going into a bye week with a win against this team, you're going to feel like you're on top of the world for the rest of the season, honestly, until you lose again. But I think going in with that mindset of like, we're the best team in football. And until somebody proves us otherwise, we truly believe that. I think that could make the Bills even more dangerous. They've liked to be the hunter for a while now, but I think they've really 
really started to embrace the role as the top dog, as the favorite. And now they have a different swagger about them. I think that's a little bit of the Von Miller effect too. I think Von Miller probably exudes this confidence that maybe they've had, but not to this level. And he's just like, yeah, like we're super talented. We think we can win every single game and we're okay with that. When we go and we play our best football, we can beat anybody. And I think it kind of starts from the top and there's guys like him that make him that much more important. All right. Unless there's anything, any of these questions that you really need to get to, I have one final one for you specifically. Uh, go ahead. That's fine. Okay. Let's wrap it up with this. We can, we can ask, well, you'll ask yours and then I'll ask you one and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Matt Bove. Yes. How excited are you for the Sabres opener on Thursday night? I'm very excited. I'm very, did somebody ask that question? Or you no, just asking? I'm asking. You. Okay. That's okay. me to you, pal, from two Buffalo guys, two yeah. Sabres fans. I'm going, I'm taking max. We're going to be there. The whole family we're going down there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know if you're going as a fan or if to cover it or whatever, uh-huh. but um, you know, I, I'm sure that, you know, you'll be there in some capacity, but yep. How, um, how excited are you for this hockey season, essentially? And for the Sabres opening up, man, I, I'm excited for the trajectory. The organization is on. I'm excited yeah. for the core of players that they've started to build around. I don't think they're ready to take the next step yet, mm. but I think they're close. And when I say they're not ready to take the next step, I don't think the Sabres are going to be a playoff team, but I really do firmly believe that this team is going to be playing games that matter in March and in early April. I don't think they're going to be out of it until the end of the season. I think there's a lot of factors that could make them sneak their way in like goaltending is a big one. If this team gets good goaltending, they're absolutely, I think going to be contending for one of those spots. I don't think they're ever going to, they're not a contender. That would be just ridiculous. But if they get good goaltending and if their rookies play like they're capable of playing, this team could really surprise a lot of people. I think it's going to be a fun brand of hockey. I really like the way that Don Granado has coached these guys up. He understands that like, you you can't play boring hockey. If you're not going to win more games than you're going to lose. Like if you're going to lose just as many games as you win, you better be playing a fun brand of hockey and exciting brand of hockey. So they're fun. And I know a lot of people went to games last year and they were surprised at how much they enjoyed going to games, even Mm -hmm. though there was 10,000 empty seats at the game. I think this year they're going to start to suck people back a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say, you know, they're not selling out every night or anything even close to that, but I think there's going to be a better energy and a better atmosphere at the arena. And I think a lot of nights, if you go, you're going to be rewarded with some good hockey. I I think they're going to be pretty good this year. I I think Mm -hmm. they've got a chance to really take a big step in where this organization is trying to go. Give me a point total. What do you think? 87, 87 is my point. Do you know, do you know what the FanDuel um, over under is? Or maybe maybe all sports books, but I know that's the one that we talk about and endorse, and I use. Yeah, um, I don't, but I would guess it's high seventies. Yeah, grab some cash and go bet on it, Matt, because it's seventy eight and a half. Seventy eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, like to me, I don't know how they don't almost crush that. So I'll be playing that. I, I just think it's. It just seems weird to me that it's so low. I don't think they're getting the nearly the respect they deserve outside of Buffalo. I think we, it does remind me a lot of the bills going into 2019, which uh-huh. is they were way better. I knew they were way better. Like I knew they were going to be good. They had a reset year that what you could see them building with the culture and the people they were bringing in. I'm like, they're going to be pretty good. They're going to contend for the playoffs. And of course they did. They wound up making it that year. It reminds me a bit of that from a perspective of, I don't think a lot of people really understand what they have going here. 
So, and I will say this, I'm not defending this, but we're recording this on Wednesday and Matias Samuelson earlier today signed a massive seven-year extension. And I have some friends around the league in different positions and in different roles who messaged me and they were like, what the heck is this deal? Like this guy's played 50 something games and he's getting a seven-year extension. And I was very skeptical, but then you go into the press conference with Don Granado and either he's the most convincing man in the world, or he's just saying things that make a lot of sense. And he was saying that so many times times players are given contracts because of past production. And while that is still important, it's even more important to understand the projection of the player and where they are heading. So I think the Sabres are taking shots on their own guys. And is it a lot of money? Yes. Is it risky? Yes. But I think they're willing to take the risks because they think the reward will outweigh the potential risk involved. Like, I don't think anybody is saying, oh, Matias Samuelson isn't going to be a really good NHL defenseman for years to come. They're saying, oh, this guy's getting $4 million when in reality, he might only be worth two and a half million dollars. But I think there's a chance he's way outplays that contract within the next couple of years. And then Kevin Adams is going to look like a really smart man. Same thing almost with Tage Thompson. This is what we're starting to see. They're starting to believe in the guys that they have. And quite frankly, for a long time, they didn't think that way. That's right. So that's why I think that this team with a little bit of luck with some improved play, I think they've got the right guy in place with Granado. I trust Kevin Adams, at least up to this point. I think they might be pretty good. It's going to be fun to watch them this year. I agree with that. You had one for me before we get out of here. Yeah. What's your favorite Casey barbecue place? Because a lot of people have asked this in the comments. So I feel like for anybody who's going this weekend, for anybody who's going to Kansas city next year, we should probably share our opinions. I, there, I don't want to necessarily say, oh, it's the only one or the, my favorite one because I like them all. Like I've been to Q39, mm-hmm. Joe's Barbecue, but I believe we're going to Jack Stack. Some people here on Saturday night. I love Jack Stack. You're going I, to Jack Stack? Are you going to? I made a reservation too because I didn't know what everybody else was doing. What time's your yeah. reservation for? Uh, I think 5.30, no, six, 5.30 their time, 6.30 our time. Okay. I think mine was for like 8.30, so late. Oh, okay. We had to go earlier because it was, yeah, like there was a window you couldn't go. Yeah. So it's the radio crew. I think Murph is going to be there and, you know, a bunch of us. So maybe we'll run into each other anyway, because we're just, hey, I'll be watching college football and, you know, you'll be there, but that's my pick. Jack Stack's a good one. I am excited this weekend. I think we're going to try and go to Joe's for lunch. That's Mm -hmm. the, but we're going to try and go to the one in Kansas. So you got to leave Missouri, go to Kansas. I don't think it's like super far, but apparently that's the original one. So I would like to try it. I really liked Jack stack Q39. I've went twice. I went once when they were in the AFC championship. And then last year when they were in the divisional round and it was much better the first time I went compared to the second time. So Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, And I've also been to one other one and I forgot what it was, but Jack stack was really good last year. So I was, I was impressed with that place. Yeah, it, I love I love Kansas City barbecue. All right, we have gone way too long. We uh, uh we appreciate everybody listening. It's never what? too long. It's never too long. Never too long. <laughs> never too long. Well, we appreciate everybody who's come aboard and listened today and in the future as well. And you can do that by downloading and subscribing, I should say, to our podcast here. It's always game day in Buffalo. All right, Matt, I'll see you back at the practice field. And then, of course, we'll be talking with everybody after the Bills take on the Chiefs and roll into the bye week.